sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after live right here on this Tuesday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday. A ton to get to after a day chock full of news in the National Football League. Nathaniel Hackett has been fired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. We get some reaction from the Mile High City up next we continue to go around the nfl taking an early line approach at this moment and the mlb offseason has been thrown a wrinkle after some more wrinkles last week craig mishwell joins the show as our mlb insider to help us make sense of it all but to start off our second hour live right here on tma we are about to return from the holiday break in college hoops so we enter the zone Even on the day following Christmas, a new AP poll was released, as is the case every Monday afternoon, but not many changes because we didn't have a ton of college basketball action over the past week with teams entering that Christmas holiday break. The top five, in fact, remaining completely unchanged. Purdue still at the top, followed by UConn at number two, Houston number three in the country. KU is fourth, and Arizona checks in at number five. The biggest movement we saw, the biggest fall that would be Virginia down seven spots after two consecutive losses against those Cougs the Houston Cougars at number three and against Miami early last last week on the road in Coral Gables and because of that win and a strong start to ACC play the Canes now up to number 14 in the country just a spot behind Virginia North Carolina the preseason top team in the land who checked in entering the year at number one back into the AP top 25. They are number 25 in the country. But we're back from the holiday break, at least with a small slate on this Tuesday evening, including the number six team in the country you saw there, the Texas Longhorns at home in Austin, a Texas two-step, an in-state battle against Texas A&M Commerce. Right now, the Longhorns, the sixth-ranked team in the country, and a 29.5-point favorite. They have been a 15-point or more favorite already seven times this year, five and two against the spread in those games but it's not just about the texas basketball team on the court this season we have an update surrounding their suspended head coach in chris beard he was suspended following an incident on december 12th when police were called to his home and his fiance filed a police report that indicated that chris beard and her were involved in a domestic violence uh, assault and that chris beard had strangled her that was the report that his fiance gave to the austin police department but we had an update there on the friday entering this holiday weekend on christmas eve eve december 23rd his fiance chris beard's fiance that is randy true releasing this statement saying in quote in part chris did not strangle me and that it was never my intent to have him arrested or prosecuted she was deeply saddened that we have brought negative attention upon our family friends in the University of Texas, among others. 
In essence, she is retracting the statement that she made to the Austin Police Department given on December 12th following that incident. But the police report lists several signs of physical violence. A brief break as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after live on this Tuesday on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. The Texas Longhorns back on the basketball court following their holiday break, not with their head coach, Chris Beard, still suspended without pay by the Texas Athletic Department. His fiance, Randy True, who was involved in a physically violent situation and incident with Chris Beard on December 12th, released a statement on December 23rd, basically retracting her previous statements that were ushered to the Austin Police Department. Again, the police report does indicate there were several signs of physical violence, including bite marks and abrasions on her face and leg. In those initial statements that True gave out to the Austin Police Department, she did mention that Chris Beard had strangled her from behind, causing her to lose breath for several moments. Her statement given on this past Friday goes in contradiction to that. We'll continue to provide updates as this story continues to unfold. Currently, though, Chris Beard still suspended by the Texas Athletic Department with out pay as you look at the Longhorns the sixth ranked team in the country they have the sixth best odds currently to win the national championship tied for the second best price to win the big 12 Kansas is the favorite Texas and Baylor tied for the second best prices we go elsewhere from the big 12 now to the big east a conference battle in Milwaukee tonight between Seton Hall and Marquette both playing their first game in a week Seton Hall right now looks for their first Big East win, winless so far in their first two conference games. But the two first conference games for Shaheen Holloway at the helm of Hall Ball decided by just a combined seven points in each of those two losses. As we look now at the Big East Conference odds to win a Big East regular season title, UConn still the odds-on favorite. You'll see Creighton there as well if we get to those conference odds Creighton starting to round into form with the return of their big man Ryan Kalkbrenner two straight wins for CU by an average margin of victory of 18 points per game after Kalkbrenner returned from injury and inserted back into that lineup for the Blue Jays more the morning after up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com podcast here on this tuesday on tma zach thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the morning after thank you so much for having me i'm excited to dive into this mess so, Zach, it seemed that the writing was on the table when it came to Nathaniel Hackett for quite some time. The Denver Broncos just 4-11 and in his 15 games. He becomes just the fifth head coach since the NFL merger back in 1970 to not complete his first full season. But it was just 15 games into his first campaign with only two weeks remaining in the 2022 NFL regular season. Were you surprised by the timing of the dismiss of the dismissal by Nathaniel Hackett? I was very surprised. You look at everything that was being reported up until he was dismissed and it was it's going to happen at the end of the season. What's the point of letting him 
go now other than looking like a little more aggressive as an ownership group, which might make this Broncos job even less appealing. Um, I don't know what there really is to gain uh, from getting rid of Hackett, but there wasn't much to gain from keeping him either. It was clear this was a tire fire. It was clear it was time to move on from him. And the Broncos got embarrassed on a national stage um, against their family members. The Waltons, of course, related to the Cronkies, and the Cronkies handed it to them. Uh, I think that definitely moved the needle some, as did the, uh, uh, I don't know, locker room combustion we saw on the sidelines. Randy Gregory getting into a fight and getting suspended. Um, yeah, just a, a, an absolute tire fire, and I think it made sense to move on from him, even if it was a surprise at the time. Zach, there were so many issues, it seemed, for Nathaniel Hackett in his first year. An inability to manage the clock late in games. Russell Wilson having the worst statistical season of his NFL career. The infighting among his team, it seemed as though he had lost organizational control. A ton of issues, as you highlighted there and as I echoed in that point. But if you had to point to one main reason Nathaniel Hackett was let go at this time, what do you think was the main issue? I mean, at this time, I think it's the locker room stuff. The argument for Nathaniel Hackett keeping his job for, for this long into the season was, well, the players haven't given up on him yet. They're playing hard for him. And, and I think that was true up until this Christmas Day game. Um, and you saw, again, kind of the implosion of the locker room. And I think that was the nail in the coffin. Ultimately, why is Nathaniel Hackett not going to be the Denver Broncos head coach next year, though? It's because the offense has been a disaster. 32nd in scoring, 32nd on third downs, 30th if you want to look at advanced metrics like DVOA. Um, that's a major letdown. Denver has been starved for offensive uh, uh, mediocrity, frankly. Uh, they haven't even been average for seven, eight years now. Um, and that was supposed to change all this season. Russell Wilson's a big part of that. So is Nathaniel Hackett. And Nathaniel Hackett's the one you can easily move on from. The defense still top 10. They were the second best scoring defense in the NFL in 2021. But when you're the offensive mastermind, billed as the guy right alongside Aaron Rodgers for the past three seasons in Green Bay, and you lead the worst scoring offense in the National Football League this year, only averaging 15 and a half points per game, that is going to be a certain big issue and a reason for concern. So as you look at this offense, Zach, and the next head coach that will step in, how do you fix the Broncos offense at this moment? Yeah, it's. I, I think step one is moving on from Russell Wilson. And that sounds dramatic, but look at what happened in the past with Seattle. It was a Brian Schottenheimer problem. Or actually, go back and forth. It was a Daryl Belville problem until it wasn't. It was a Brian Schottenheimer problem until it wasn't. It was a Shane Waldron problem. And then you plug Geno Smith in and Shane Waldron looks awesome. The consistent variable here is Russell Wilson. I think he's a limited quarterback in the game with these two high defensive shells is evolving away from his strengths. I think it's fairly similar to what we've seen with Russell Westbrook, to be frank. And as long as this franchise is revolving around Russell Wilson, they are going to continue to wallow in their own failures. Um, you've got to move on from Russell Wilson. It's going to be painful, but it's never not going to be painful. Better to take the medicine now, rip the Band-Aid off, have a bad 2023, a bumpy 2024, and then you're ready to launch and be successful, maybe even contend again. If you hold on to Russell Wilson, I don't think the Broncos are on uh, the national radar until 2026, 2027, or maybe even 2028.
And Zach, I think that's the main issue with the idea of moving on from Russell Wilson. We all know the contract, a five-year deal worth north of $240 million, $160 guaranteed. So if they decide that is the best plan moving forward for this Broncos organization, how do they move on from Russell Wilson? Yeah, you know, it, and you say you all, we all know the contract, and we do to an extent, but I don't think people know how easy it is to move off this Russell Wilson contract, frankly. And that's not to say that it's easy, but it has this uh, perception that it's impossible. And and it's not. It would be $61, $46 million splits over these next two seasons. Um, it would lose them a, a solid portion of money. It would be painful, but by no means is it untenable. Uh, you'd look at cutting Ronald Darby, uh, almost 30-year cornerback coming off an ACL tear, cutting Graham Glasgow to free up $14 million. That's a move they're going to do whether or not they keep Russell Wilson. Cutting Jake Martin, an uh, edge rusher they acquired for like a sixth-round pick from the Jets. Cutting Brandon McManus, who's been one of the most overpaid and disappointing kickers in the league this season. Um, and then cutting all these busted draft picks. Doing that and then a couple of restructures, which again, players are generally for, it's turning their non-guaranteed money into guaranteed money to kick it down the line, uh, frees up the Broncos, not only enough to cut Russell Wilson, but to cut Russell Wilson and have $30 million left over to plug up. So this vision that if you cut Russell Wilson, you're putting together a college roster of UDFAs, just isn't true. The Broncos are actually in a pretty good spot thanks to their young talent. They would need a little bit of financial creativity, but Zach Seeger is presenting it there live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after. So, Zach, as we look at who might be the next head coach in the Mile High City, of course, as soon as Nathaniel Hackett was fired, tons on social media said, go to Sean Payton's door and offer him a blank check. Who do you think should be top on the list for the Broncos in trying to find their next head coach? I think it should be Sean Payton. I'm a realist. I know that, you know, even though I'm laying out what I think the Broncos should do, I don't think they'll cut Russell Wilson this year. I think it's a mistake, but I don't think they will. And you look at what Russell Wilson has said. He has idolized Drew Brees for much of his career, modern his play or modeled his play style off of Drew Brees. Getting Sean Payton, the guy who led Drew Brees to a Super Bowl, I think would uh, be the coach that Russell Wilson needs. Russell Wilson needs a coach who can be hard on him, that can wake him up from this, uh, I think, kind of delusional state he's in and just go, hey, you're not Peyton Manning. Stop trying to be Peyton Manning. Be the best Russell Wilson you can be. And I think you can be a fine quarterback. Maybe not special anymore, but I think you can be fine. Um, and I think Sean Payton's the guy to get that done. That seems like a long shot to me. So I'd look at Frank Reich, a guy who has worked with Philip Rivers at the end of his career, Matt Ryan at the end of his career, uh, got the most out of Jacoby Brissett. Um, it's not super exciting, but I think he's maybe the best option. Zach, under a minute left here, just about 40 seconds left, assuming, like you mentioned, in the realism of this world that they do not cut Russell Wilson or move on from him this offseason, how much of a say will Russ have in the hiring of Denver's next head coach? I think that's the most scary thing for Broncos country right now. I think he will have a, a sizable say because you kind of have to give him one. The franchise is based their future on this guy. So you've got to incorporate him into the decision. And frankly, I think that's compounding errors. I think it's a big concern for Broncos. I think Zach Seegers could be used in the Broncos front office. A very creative approach to this now situation the Broncos have moving forward. Zach Seegers of Mile High Sports and the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. Thank you so much for your time here on this Tuesday on the morning after. More of the show up next. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. The hot stove in the Major League Baseball offseason is a little bit peculiar. At this moment, we check in on what is happening in MLB. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday, live on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. We now welcome in our Major League Baseball insider, the host of Fantasy Sports Today, coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time and Newswire later this afternoon at 2 p.m. as well. Craig Mish joins us here on the morning after. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this Tuesday. Hi, Ben. Happy holidays. Happy uh, bowl season. You know, it, bowl season sort of, you know, slipped by me a little bit. I got to be honest with you this year. So I'm looking forward to the games this week. That's for sure. Certainly so. And Craig, this is when bowl season really picks up in intensity. Four games today, four games tomorrow, at least three games each and every day until January 2nd with a brief pause on New Year's Day because it's a Sunday in the NFL is king. We focus, though, on Major League Baseball because each of the past two Wednesdays, Craig, we have woken up to some breaking news surrounding Carlos Correa. First, he signed with the San Francisco Giants on a record-breaking free agent deal. And then last Wednesday, nope, he's headed to Queens to play for the New York Mets after the Giants flagged something in his physical. Well, as we got going into the Christmas weekend, Craig, on Christmas Eve Eve, there was a report from the athletic that the Mets had a concern over that Carlos Correa physical as well. So Craig, we now have this situation developing on where is Carlos Correa at this moment? His status in limbo. Is he a New York Met? Has the deal been signed? Craig, to the best of your ability, how do you sum up this entire situation? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the reason why the red flags are, are on Correa at this point, maybe not so much, Ben, for 2023, 24, 25, but when you're signing players at an unprecedented rate this year, like Correa, like Trey Turner, like Xander Bogarts, like Aaron Judge, and what baseball teams are trying to do is keep the AAV down, average salary down, so they can sign them to these long-term extensions and not go over the tax several years from now for declining players – I, I mean, I'm going to guess that something may have shown th uh, that could, something could affect Correa years down the line because the Twins, had he not opted out of that contract, remember, he would have been on the hook for the next two years. So this has to be something in the future. Now, the question is, at this point, has the owner of the bets gone too far down the road with making public statements about his health that he didn't care? Because obviously, at this point, Scott Boris could just take Correa to someone else and start shopping him. But I think that that is the dynamic that's involved here where a key mistake was made because I think that inevitably, if Scott Boris chose to do this, he could hold the Mets' feet to the fire here and say, hey, look, you guys have to get this done. Public damage has been done. You've already said that you're going to do it no matter what. Now at this point, you have a failed physical. I can't go behind the scenes and tell you exactly what's happening, but if it was that easy, Ben, this thing would have been done already. So naturally, today or tomorrow, my guess is another doctor is going to take a look at Carlos Correa and inevitably decide maybe some arbiter in between the two. Hey, look, this is the real deal. Here is, you know, between the Mets doctor and between Scott Boris's doctor, here's another doctor that says uh, this is yeah. what we believe. And then they come to some sort of resolution. In the end, 
I mean, it, it seems as though Boris and, and Correa do hold the cards in this situation only because the Mets went just so far out publicly, which, you know, honestly, they've been warned never to do. You can say that there's an agreement. Right. I do the same thing, Ben, when I'm reporting. You can say that they're going to sign someone, but to just throw caution to the wind publicly and make public comments like that, I think the big mistake was made there. So, Craig, the issue in Carlos Correa's physical that both the Giants and the Mets have now flagged is with his surgically repaired right lower leg. But I think the point you brought up about Steve Cohen speaking to the New York Post, of course, Steve Cohen, the owner of the New York Mets franchise, saying we needed to add one more offensive piece, and this right. was it. He made those public comments, and Major League Baseball often advises, hey, don't speak on anything until the deal is officially done it makes it a more confounding situation craig have you ever seen anything like this in your multiple multiple years covering major league baseball no but but what's interesting is that i have seen a lot of situations where there's a reported agreement by somebody like myself or other colleagues involved and the general managers are forced to speak on record maybe about something else and they are asked about these specific situations and they will never def uh, directly refer to the player. They would say, well, from a hypothetical standpoint, there's a player that maybe we, you know, and they go down that road, Ben, because they're careful not to make those comments. So to answer your question, uh, deals have fallen apart before due to physicals. We've seen this via trade, but I don't recall two different times that this has happened with two separate teams. So no, this is uh, sort of unprecedented. I mean, in the end, the, the Twins clearly, when they signed Correa, Ben, we have to go back to that. They did some due diligence when they signed him to that short-term uh, short contract. But in my right. mind, if they were going to actually offer Correa a 10-year, $285 million deal, which has been reported, I would have to think more of an extensive physical would need to be done. And uh, in Correa's defense, he hasn't been hurt and nothing has caused this issue. But when you're going down the road, Ben, of a 10-year deal, uh, you know, it's going to be very hard to pass this through without medicals. I guess the question becomes at this point is all of these contracts, Ben, need to be approved by the Office of the Commissioner in Major League Baseball. And uh, would, would, would they now approve something like this, knowing that at the end of Correa's career, there could potentially be an issue with no ramifications from it? So there, there is some complexity to it. And, and I can't say that I'm certain I know which way it's going to go. And we're just going to have to see in, in the coming days. But I don't think there's, I personally don't think there's any chance that the contract that was previously structured is going to be uh, structured exactly the same way. My guess is there's some negotiation going on right now, but I don't know. I'm just speculating. So, Craig, if we were to put you on the spot, though, and ask you to peer into your crystal ball, what do you think the ultimate resolution will be with Carlos Correa? Where will Correa play his baseball in 2023? Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm going to go off the owner who basically seems to throw caution to the wind and doesn't seem to care about luxury taxes and contracts, my guess is inevitably the Mets and Correa will be able to work something out on a smaller scale where there are provisions within the contract that if this specific injury occurs, there would be some ramifications to the deal. I know that's not what Scott Boris is going to want at this point. There's no doubt. He's just going to say, hey, look, you, you said it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. But uh, the medicals right now, I mean, Ben, this is a huge red flag for to have two teams do this. And I think San right. Francisco has to be feeling a lot better about their situation, knowing that whatever they found, the Mets found the same thing. But when push comes to shove, I think it is the Mets probably. It's just a guess. 
you know, maybe eight years, seven years, something along those lines. Maybe it's even the full 10 years, but there's got to be some negotiation involved here. And I, and I don't know which way it's going to go. I would tell you that if it was th this easy, it would have been done by now. There's no doubt. And the reported deal for Carlos Correa last Wednesday when he was going to join the New York Mets was 12 years, $315 million. Slightly different than the reported deal to the Giants that was 13 years, $350 million. So maybe a restructured contract somewhere in there. Craig, you hinted at this idea. The Giants have had what appears to be a rough offseason. They lose out on the sweepstakes of Aaron Judge. They flagged the physical of Carlos Correa. It seems he is going to sign with the New York Mets. Do you think San Francisco slightly feels vindicated by this situation now playing out in Queens as well? Well, I think they feel vindicated in, in the sense, Ben, that they know that what they did in terms of flagging the medical was correct. But if the Mets end up signing him, uh, Ben, to a restructured contract or something different, boy, the Giants, I think, may, may have to double down on feeling bad at this point because that could have meant that there was a chance that they could have gone down and still gotten the player maybe on a lesser contract or something along those lines. But this is where you know, Scott Boris, the agent, comes into play, where you know, he simply was not going to allow that with San Francisco. I think you'll never hear public comments on that from the Giants organization. Yeah. But it was his choice to move Correa out of San Francisco and into Queens. So I, I think that there's really not much they could have done. They may end up looking worse again if, if the Mets end up getting him on a lesser deal. But that would mean inevitably the Giants have a lot to, to boo a player for, a, for the next 10 years every time yeah. they see him. Because that just simply uh, is not going to go over well with Giants fans. But vindicated, I'm not sure. It just depends. If this deal goes completely flat, yes. Yes, at that yeah. point, they, they should feel vindicated. And the Giants have added a couple of pieces here as of late. Michael Conforto on a two-year, $36 million deal. Taylor Rogers, three years, 33 mil, as well as this offseason continues on in Major League Baseball. Last week, Craig, New York baseball was the focus. The Carlos Correa reported deal with the New York Mets. And Aaron Judge named the 16th ever captain for the New York Yankees, the Mets, the Yanks, and the reigning World Series champs and the Houston Astros all tied at the top as your co-favorites to win the 2023 World Series, a plus 650 number. So, Craig Mish, as we approach a new Major League Baseball season, who would you book as the favorite to win the World Series at this moment? Yeah, it's still Houston and Los Angeles for me. I don't think much has changed. From the Dodgers' perspective, they lost Trey Turner. That's a massive loss for them. They added J.D. Martinez. That's not going to be what Trey Turner did, but I think it's a very underrated signing. And what I would also add is you know, Houston has some nice young pitchers coming through the pipeline that I think that you're going to see in the big leagues in 2023. They got no production whatsoever at first base from Ulieski Gurriel, who two years ago was fantastic then. Uh, Jose Abreu is a massive uh, on-field and off-field upgrade for that team. And I think he's going to provide a lot. And they're basically bringing all their players back once again for 2023. Yeah. So I, I still think those teams are the favorite. We learned last year that the hottest team gets far. It may not be the best team. We saw that with the Dodgers with this new playoff format. Uh, the other thing that I would say specifically about the Dodgers, Ben, they may not spend all the money in free agency, but they are the sneakiest team at that trade deadline. Manny Machado, Hugh Darvish, Trey Turner, and other. Fantasy Sports Today, starting in just about 20 minutes' time, live right here on Sports Grid. Craig, thank you so much for your time. More TMA next. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back to the Morning After, live right here on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. Never too early to look at the weekend ahead in the National Football League. That early line approach, live right here on TMA. And as it is, just two weeks remaining in this regular season, we want to get ahead of the lines to the best of our ability. Helping us to do that here on this Tuesday TMA, a guy you see all across the Sports Grid Network. Sean Green is with us once again, the co-host of the Sports Gambling Podcast, who we're going to take that look to the early lines for week number 17 of this NFL season. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this Tuesday. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's go. So, Sean, let's start with a huge matchup in Tampa Bay on Sunday. The NFC South Division, somebody's got to win it, and it is at stake in Tampa between the Buccaneers and the Panthers. With a Bucs victory, they clinch the divisional crown for a second straight year. If Carolina pulls off the slight upset, it would be the Panthers with the divisional lead entering the regular season finale. Right now, Sean, Tampa Bay a three-point home favorite with all that is at stake in Tampa Bay on Sunday afternoon how do you break down this matchup well yeah I mean you know what used to be able to rely on with the Tampa Bay Bucks is their ability to stop the run and that just really isn't there anymore um and their offense has really struggled they've looked very out of sync I mean they only put up 19 points against the Arizona Cardinals I think I think you got to go Panthers here like the Panthers you mentioned everything that's at stake for the Bucks. That's a ton of pressure for the Panthers. They're playing with house money. I mean, they have an interim head yep. coach. How often does an interim head coach go on a playoff run? They're playing for Steve Wilkes. And again, that running game, we saw what they did to the Detroit Lions. Now, obviously the Bucks rush defense better than the Lions, but you know, you get Chuba Hubbard going, you get Deonta Foreman going. I think they're going to be tough to slow down. And honestly, it's the only of every unit on the field the Panthers rush offense, I think, is the only one that's really working. So I like the Panthers here. Under Steve Wilkes, now 10 weeks, the Carolina Panthers are 5-5 five five straight up. They have also covered seven times as an underdog. All five of those victories outright as a dog for the Carolina Panthers. That's where they find themselves in Tampa this upcoming Sunday. A three point underdog it was one of the marquee wins probably Sean of the Steve Wilkes tenure in Carolina as 13 and a half point underdogs at home in Charlotte they beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers by 18 points 21 to 3 so assuming Carolina pulls off the upset Sean we would go to week 18 with the Panthers in the divisional lead they would hope to close out the division with a victory over the New Orleans Saints but the odds right now the Buccaneers, of course, and Tom Brady, a heavy odds-on favorite, a minus 550 number to win the NFC South. So even if the Panthers pull off the upset this upcoming Sunday, Sean, in Week 17, do you think it would be enough for the Panthers to win the division? Uh, yeah, I think I think it might be. I mean, I again, like I of all the teams in the NFC South, the only one that seems like it has some momentum, the only one that seems like it's playing some physical football here in December right. is that Carolina Panthers team. So factoring in the odds at plus 310, I think that's kind of my favorite bet here. I'm certainly not laying minus 340 to get down on this Bucks team. Like it just, 
you know, maybe they end up pulling out the division, but I just, man, it's just not a team I'm looking to lay that much juice on. That's a ton of movement, too, because I was referencing what I guess is an old price that has been updated in the last 24 hours. After the Buccaneers came back in the fourth quarter to edge out the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas night, they moved to a minus 550 favorite in the NFC South. But apparently, a lot of people like Sean believe in what the Panthers might be able to pull off on Sunday afternoon. Sean, you are a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. A big one for the Birds this upcoming Sunday against another team from the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. Right now, Philly is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The line has worked up to seven at certain spots as well. We all await the status of the quarterback spot for Philadelphia as we get rolling into week 17. What does this line say to you, Sean, near a touchdown favorite at home for the Birds about who is going to play quarterback on Sunday? Yeah, it does feel like they're kind of splitting the difference here a little bit where I, I think if Gardner Minshew ends up being announced as starter, maybe this trickles down to, you know, minus six. If Hertz ends up being announced as starter, I think this gets over seven. So I think they're kind of setting, you know, hanging it right around there, splitting the difference a little bit. Uh, shading towards uh, Gardner being the starter there. I, I think if Hertz is announced the starter, this goes up to eight. Um, but really the big injury, though, for me is Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson, you look at their yeah. with and without splits of Lane Johnson, it's pretty jarring. Uh, that being said, I still like their chances, but I think it, what's going to be a huge factor both on this spread and on the game itself is the Thursday night game because if the Tennessee Titans somehow pull out an upset – over uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles would lock up the number one seed and they wouldn't have to play any of their starters. So that could really throw a monkey wrench in this game. Obviously the Titans are huge dogs there, but they're home dogs against the Cowboys. So that game I think could have a huge effect on this one as well, as far as the spread. When you look at that Thursday night football game, that was the transition we needed right there, Sean, because Dallas goes to Nashville as a 10 and a half point favorite against the titans it's a double digit spread for a game on a short week played in just two days from now so sean if tennessee is going to keep this game close and maybe even potentially pull off the upset how do the titans get that done well it would be great to see some sort of passing ability out of malik willis right i mean just show us something malik um very disappointed with his his passing there against the texans but if there's anyone that can get a team up for a must-win game, which for this Titans team, you know, they're they're almost like uh, on the outside looking in right now with the NFC or sorry AFC South. If there's anyone that can get them up on a short week at home as a huge dog, I think it is Mike Vrabel. So I like being a double-digit dog on Thursday night at home, and I like Mike Vrabel. I like Derrick Henry to bring some physicality on a short week against the Cowboys team that's probably smelling themselves after beating the Eagles, probably feeling pretty good, and now you're going on the road on a short week against a desperate Titans team. Uh, that's definitely, for me, I'm, I'm looking to play the dog here or nothing at 10-and-a-half. Derrick Henry has run for over 100 yards in three consecutive games for Tennessee. Now we get into late December where it gets even more difficult to try to tackle Derrick Henry and the Cowboys, a bottom 10 rushing defense in all of the NFL as well. That would seem to be the recipe for success for Tennessee on Thursday night. It doesn't necessarily matter for the Titans nor the Jaguars, what happens week 17, because it will come down to the regular season finale between those two 
in Duval that will decide the AFC South. But before we get there, Jacksonville, a four-point road favorite in Houston against the Texans. One of the two wins for Houston this year against Jacksonville earlier in this season. In fact, it's one of the weird quirks, Sean, in the AFC South divisional rivalries. The Texans have beaten the Jaguars nine consecutive times. The Jags are favored to snap that streak on Sunday. Can Jacksonville get that done? Oh man, how how are you betting against the Texans right now? It's I I know they're uh, I know they're catching points here. I know they've looked really bad at times, but they got a little confidence. They're apparently they want Lovey Smith back the way they're playing, right? I mean, uh, it's just it's just tough to fade them right now. And Texans as a home dog. And and to your point, the AFC South is always a very quirky division. The Colts always lose down in Jacksonville. Uh, the Jags yeah. always struggle with the Texans. You just need to open up your AFC South. Like you probably carry a card in your wallet. Like, hey, what happens in this situation? Because it's so consistent. So yeah, definitely take the home dog here with the Texans as well. One time for the Houston Texans. This year booked as an underdog in all 15 games. They are 7-7-1 uh, seven, seven against the spread. Last year as an underdog in 16 of the 17, 8-7-1 against the spread. They have been very profitable against the number. And Houston has covered in three consecutive weeks. And they won outright last week as a three-and-a-half point underdog against a divisional foe in the Tennessee Titans. So, Shaw, knowing it comes down to week 18 in Jacksonville between the Jaguars and the Titans, we look at the AFC South divisional odds. Currently, the Jags, who occupy the top spot based on the head-to-head tiebreaker advantage, over the Titans are a minus 250 favorite to win the division. But Sean Green, I ask you, who wins the AFC South in 2022? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I understand why the Jags are favored, but I'll still take the Titans at plus 200 um, because of the uh, just the difference in the odds. I like the Titans uh, coach, Mike Vrabel, the ton of ton of playoff experience, ton of experience closing it out. I, you could make the same argument for Doug Peterson. I think this is probably closer to a coin flip, honestly. So I'll take the yeah. Titans with the uh, plus odds. It would be very interesting to see if the Jags go down to the Texans this upcoming Sunday and maybe even Tennessee covers as a 10.5-point dog on Thursday night, what exactly that line looks like for the Week 18 finale in Jacksonville. You would have to assume the Jags a short favorite, but what exactly will that number be? We saw the L.A. Chargers clinch their AFC wildcard spot last night, a playoff berth for L.A. for the first time since 2018. 18. There seems to be a top tier right now, Sean, in the AFC. The Bills, the Chiefs, and I think the Bengals are on that rung as well. As we look at the AFC wildcard standings with the Ravens in the top spot, the Chargers clinching that berth, and Miami holding on to the third and final AFC wildcard spot. Do you think any of these teams, Sean, in the wildcard hunt at the moment in the AFC can make noise once we get to the postseason? Well, I mean, you know, normally I'm looking to fade the Chargers, right? Because the Chargers are the team that collapse. They seem to have the most horrific luck. Like everything goes wrong. Uh, they were getting a ton of hype coming into the season. It seemed like they were falling apart, but now they've gone on a nice little run here. Like they they beat the Colts on the road as a road favorite. They've they're kind of winning the games they're supposed to win. So they certainly have the quarterback talent and. The Chargers are one of those teams where not having home field advantage seems to help them for whatever reason. I guess you don't have a lot of the opposing fans booing you at your own stadium. Yeah. So if there's anyone that's going to go on the run, go on the road a bunch, a la the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in this section, it, it, it really looks like the Chargers, right, at plus 1,500? 
We need to see the Bolts perform a little bit better offensively than they did last night in Indianapolis, but they're getting healthy, and they have the playmakers with Austin Eckler in the backfield, alongside Justin Herbert, his first playoff trip, and then Keenan Allen and Mike Williams now back healthy together for three consecutive games. And, oh, yeah, the Bolts have won three straight. Just a couple of weeks ago, Sean, the Miami Dolphins, an 8-3 and three football team looking really good to make some noise come playoff time as well they have dropped four straight games and now Tua Tungavailoa in concussion protocol for a third time this season his status for the rest of the way very much in doubt including Sunday in Foxborough in a game against New England the line has flipped the Dolphins were a short road favorite now a short road underdog Sean how does your handicap change if Tua Tungavailoa is not out there on Sunday at Gillette Stadium yeah, I mean it's it's tough to back the um, back the Dolphins here without Tua on the road and and the Patriots. You know, you, you kind of fall back on some of the the tenets, right, of Bill Belichick at home um, against an inferior quarterback. That's kind of the Patriots' formula. I know everyone's bad at uh, Matt Patricia for being uh, the worst offensive coordinator. That's yeah. not an offensive coordinator. My my Patriots buddy keep calling him Bluto with a laminated play sheet. Um, it's it's not fun to take them, but it's it's the play here especially uh considering the spot the patriots would then tie the dolphins in their overall record and it would be evened out in terms of the tiebreaker advantage head-to-head -head between those two afc east divisional foes sean green thank you so much for your time here on this tuesday on the morning after enjoy the rest of your holiday season we round out the show up next following the commercial break a look back into college football bowl season stay with us here on the grid SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together. Live on this Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is also SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. You know where my heart lies pretty much each and every day of the year. But certainly right now in the most wonderful time of the year, that is college football bowl season. And it truly picks up in intensity and scope today. Four college football bowl games on this Tuesday starting at noon Eastern time in the Camellia Bowl between Buffalo and Georgia Southern and it ends at 10 15 p.m. Eastern time a late night kick out in Phoenix in the guaranteed rate bowl between Oklahoma State and Wisconsin that is our focus from a prop perspective with a couple of angles to keep an eye on for late night in Phoenix, Arizona. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a college football bowl season best bet. It is time for bye bye bye. Now it's slightly the end of an era for the Badgers tonight. Jim Leonard will coach in his final game for Wisconsin. He gives way now to Luke Fickle, who heads to Madison next season and maybe a change in offensive philosophy with Phil Longo the former offensive coordinator at UNC who runs the air raid 
for Wisconsin. They still run the football pretty well in Chapel Hill as well, but Wisconsin is known for running the football. They still run it on 57.7% of their plays, a top 25 rushing play clip in college football this year. I think the Badgers are the right side to be favored in this football game, laying three and a half. If that's where you want to go, I cannot fault you. However, I would look at the rushing yards prop. The Cowboys giving up more than 177 yards per game on the ground this year. So whether it's Braylon Allen going over his rushing yards prop of 98 in a hook, or maybe they give you a Chesmalusi number for Wisco as well, I would take the over. That does it for us today, live on this Tuesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. We'll be back tomorrow on a Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk then.